Welcome to Cultivated Marketer, where we talk marketing professional development so your garden of opportunity grows. This is Brent Bowen. And I'm Matt Tidwell. And Matt, it's been weeks, man, since we've talked to one another. It's good to see your smiling face. And it's opening day, and you have the Kansas City Royals hat on, sporting the Royals yeah. gear. Seems strange to be opening day on July 24th or whatever. That's just kind of our, our, you know, screwed up calendar that we're living in in 2020. But it, it is definitely good to be seeing some other diversions for me. Sports being top of mind mm. and uh, gives me something to do other than sitting curbside waiting for takeout. So exciting uh, you know what? hey great to see you it looks like you are you're in the, you're in kind of your what will be your more typical recording confines there right yeah i'm feeling very much in my element you can see now everybody else can't see this but they hopefully can hear the benefit of it i'm sitting through about i don't know it seems like a truckload of audio foam <laughs> you're foamed in yeah i am foamed in i like to tell people i'm the only idiot on the planet that puts his podcast studio in a tin can so it's required a truckload of audio foam to make sure that the echo is totally killed in this room. But yeah, I'm I'm feeling very much in my element tonight. Yeah, absolutely. No, it looks great. It's yeah. Exciting. Well, we were talking sports and the Royals, and I, I am so glad for that diversion as well. I, I don't know if I recalled mentioning this to you, but my son and his friends started a recreational touch football league. And it, the absence of sports was so great. I, I told him, I said, if you aired this on YouTube, people would watch it. Absolutely. Hey, if we're watching <laughs> Korean baseball at two o'clock in the morning, like some of my sports fan friends will do anything. We'll, we'll do anything for sports. And that, that reminds me, you and I really didn't connect, but had a great time last time with Ben Heisler as we're talking about, talking about sports here. And he's very much connected into the sports world. So folks may remember if you haven't had a chance to listen to the episode where we had been, it's episode five, we're getting close to double digits. We're halfway, we're halfway to halfway to double digit, double digits. Ben Heisler is an editor for basically the gambling and their fantasy sports section at sports illustrated and great guest to talk about essentially finding a new job because he was finding a new job during the the pandemic. Some great insights on informational interviews for sure. Yeah. I'm so glad you introduced us to him because what a, just kind of a multi-talented young guy who's, who's obviously been very successful. And, you know, when, when he kind of went through that whole story of, of just what it took to both search for and land a job in this very kind of crazy time that we're living in, you know, I think he had obviously some terrific tips. I especially, I think I tweeted out that, I loved kind of his discussion about the informational interview is, is I know something that you and I both have done with people at various times and, and how that's a, a seldom used or, or, or often forgotten kind of strategy, but can be very effective for job searchers. So he, he was great. He was great. Thanks for introducing me. No, no. Yeah. Welcome to do it. And it was been great to get to know him a little bit. And here also too, you know, when people think about that informational interview, they think they have to be you know, present with one another face to face and having spoken with him, he was, he was tremendous at conducting those in this kind of climate. So still, yep. still holding zoom calls, still looking to connect with people and get to know them and just be genuinely interested in what people were doing, I think is a great insight that he provided. And that's what his experience was, is he was reaching out to people and saying, I'm really just interested in what you're doing and what you're about. And, and people, you generally find people like to talk about themselves. So 
It's a good approach. Yeah, I know some folks go through job search now, but you know what's nice about the technology is there's really no reason to lose momentum, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we, we've got plenty of ability to have that more personal connection. Obviously, it's never going to be as personal if we were more in the face-to-face realm, which hopefully we'll get back to. But hey, technology works in, in that arena as well, which is great. Yep. And then, so people are catching us now. And actually, at this point, they've also caught they've caught Ben. And if you're hearing us now, you caught the first half of our conversation with Mike Swenson, which is quite a bit different than Ben's in the sense that not the the beginning or middle of his journey, but with Mike, it was more the end of an era, right? And but we we asked Mike to kind of harken back to some of the things that he was doing with Lee National Denim Day because it's extremely relevant to today's society. You know, you look at ESG, I've I've actually been talking with one of my clients that's more, I would say, purpose over profit driven, not to to say they don't want profits, but at the core of their values, the core of their mission is really purpose and helping connect people. And they're not a 501c3 in this day of B Corp. And these days of ESG, it was great to talk to Mike because he was ahead of all of that. Yeah, he really was. You know, I've known Mike for years, and I'm so glad we got a chance to have a wide-ranging conversation with him because talk about a guy who's respected in Kansas City in the public relation field. I mean, so many of us know Mike, and he's mentored, gosh, just countless professionals, young, mid-career, older, and just a real fountain of knowledge. But particularly in that area of, of cause marketing, you, know, you mentioned Lee National Denim Day, and we're going to talk with him a little bit about that. That's, a, frankly, a program that I use with students all the time as an example of cause marketing done right, right? Mm-hmm. Longevity, we'll talk about this in the conversation, so not to give too much away, but a, a longevity program, very authentic in terms of its approach, definitive mission, a real charitable mission that they, they've then delivered on, right? So, so many times, I think, with cause marketing these days, we'll see companies get into it, and it, it, it ends up being sort of more or less as kind of almost like a sales promotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it can be very surface level. And I think, you know, Mike's point is, no, 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 these programs need to be authentic. They need to be substantial. They need to be transparent in terms of where the money's going and what you're giving as the customer. And, and Lee National Denim, they really embodied all of those, you know, concepts of what, what makes uh, for good cause marketing. And Mike, in fact, really became a, a national leader in the cause marketing field. And, and through, you know, he worked at Barclay for many years, for those who don't know Mike, and, and ran their PR shop, both when it was at Barclay and then later on when it became Crossroads PR and, and you know, uh, worked obviously for Lee, but also, you know, think of programs like Sonic's Lime Learning Program mm-hmm. was, a, was a big one that his agency did. He's talked to my classes about that as well. Just a huge fan of Mike. And and I know we, we sort of started on one agenda, but with, you have somebody who's that experienced, right, and has done that many things, it sort of goes off in two or three other different directions. So I think listeners will, will really, really enjoy Mike. Oh, there's a, there's a lot to get out of the conversation with Mike. And you hit on the idea of cause marketing truly needing to be authentic and at the core of what you do, which is so apropos for today. I actually had a conversation with one of my clients earlier in the week talking about Black Lives Matter and the notion of, I don't know if you've seen much of this, but I actually saw some of this going on this last week, week prior on LinkedIn, where you have activists that are going out, calling out companies saying, okay, we had the George Floyd incident that transpired. All these companies came out in support made a statement around diversity, inclusion, and all the things they were going to be doing. And then they went dark. They went quiet. So where is that transparency? Where is that authenticity? 
where is that being part of your core values? You, you just can't send a one-time statement over. And it was interesting. So I was, as I was having a conversation with this client, I go, I said to them, you know, we made the statement. Now, what else are you doing? Cause you need to continue to have this conversation. It's not, it's not going away. And in fact, you now have activists actively pursuing and calling out companies. So that idea of core to core to mission is really important. Yeah. And, and, you know, I just think in this day and age, I mean, consumers demand that, that, that their companies stand for something. I mean, I just think it's the, it's the age of the empowered stakeholder. We talk about that all the time and, and they, they want to see these big brands take stands and, and really cause marketing has been around for actually a long time, right? 20 plus years. But that was sort of one of the very first iterations of, of what we now think of as more many times what we call purpose marketing or, or purpose driven messaging. And so, yeah, again, to be able to speak to a real national leader in that area who's, who's right here from, from our metro was, was really cool. Yeah. And, and to lean into that idea of the word leader, too, folks are going to we had such a great conversation with Mike full of so many different topics. Matter of fact, at one point, I know you would apologize to him like. Thank you so much for your time. You've been so gracious for your t- with your time. Like I was ready and I felt bad. I was sitting there, but I don't care. I'm going to Mike's so great. I'm going to keep him for another hour. I want him all right. to myself for another hour. Let's keep him on. Unfortunately, cooler heads prevailed. Matt, Matt talked <laughs> me off the ledge and we, we kept Mike to an hour, but we got, we had such a great conversation with him that we're going to make this a two parter. And so the next part of the conversation we're having with him while the first part was really around the cause marketing and you talked about his leadership qualities, he ended up spending a great deal of time talking about career development with us. And, and again, that's core to our mission with the show is talking about how to look at career development and what was fabulous with Mike because of his journey he talked about younger professionals or newer professionals in their career, mid-career professionals, and then even drew upon some of his own life experience based on where he is currently and talked about when's the best time to transition out and find your next chapter, which I thought was so cool. Yeah, I think he's going to have something for everybody there, Brent. You're absolutely right. I know one of the areas that, that I was fascinated with was when we were talking more about young professionals. And I've often, of course, as you know, that's much of my job now is yeah. working with young market professionals. But um, I know when I was in the agency business, uh, I worked for a guy named Howie Bosberg, who for a long time you know, worked with Bob Bernstein for a long time and then ran Bosberg Company and later Bosberg Valentine Radford. And, and Howie would always talk about how, you know, Kansas City is such a great market uh, if you're a younger professional, because we can do national quality work here. You don't have to move to Los Angeles or New York to really feel like you're working for quote unquote big time projects. And, and in fact, we, at his agency, we did several of those, so, you know, working for big brands, both local and, and otherwise. And so I just wanted Mike's take on that. And, and he absolutely agreed. And he said, that, you know, not only can you, that it, it happens that way many, many times. And so, again, I just think it's so important for particularly people as they think about, you know, their younger part of their career, where are they going to, to, to start in Kansas? Our market is such a great place for raising families and things like that. It's nice to be able to know that, you know, that you can perform and perform at a very high level on some of these, you know, the National Denim Day. How's that for an example for the, the younger folks that work with Mike at his agency? So really just love that conversation about, you know, younger pros and, and not, again, having to, to uproot yourself and, and move to either coast to be able to work on kind of big time marketing projects. Yeah, th- this notion of uprooting or moving into Kansas City. Is this about the appropriate time, Matt? I should let everybody know I have a house for sale. 
<laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? I, I'm not sure we reach New York or the coast, but may, maybe we do. And hey, if you're looking to move to Kansas City, there's going to be a house in the market, right? So you, there's a great, great home for them to to buy. But no, in all seriousness, that conversation, it was, it was tremendous. The And folks were teasing this. You, you'll have to listen to the rest of this to pick up on some of these great stories that Mike share. And the cool thing about Mike, too, is and Matt already referenced this is the diversity of where he worked as well. You talked about his agency experience, yeah. but he also had started off in politics. Yeah, started off in, in politics as a as the spokesperson for I think it was Governor John Carlin in Kansas at the time. He's a Kansas guy, and yeah, he again built his, decided to build his career, which ended up being obviously quite successful here. So. But yeah, moved from from politics and was a working journalist for a while, I think, in TV. He talked mm-hmm. to us a little bit about that. And, and I know it's kind of a second act. He's talked about kind of wanting to get a bit back into kind of the voice talent and, and video talent kinds of stuff. But I know, like everybody, I think the pandemic is, is probably, uh, you know, has probably pushed that a bit back. But yeah, just a really, really interesting guy. Lots of, you know, varied interests and, and certainly a stellar career. Yeah. So with, with that, folks, we'll... We'll stop keeping you from Mike in the second part of this, and we'll let you enjoy our conversation, continued conversation with Mike Swenson. Brent, I am so excited to have with us as our guest today, my good friend, Mike Swenson. I've known Mike for for quite a while, actually, uh, agency days and, and even a little before that and after that. And full disclosure, as many of you know, I, I run the master's program in marketing communications at KU Edwards campus. Mike's been very involved with our program. In fact, is for a long time was an advisory board member for us. Made it really tough to take that job. Let me tell you, when I had advisory board members like Mike Swenson and Eric Morgenstern and so many superstars in our industry to help me along. And, and certainly that I couldn't have done it without them. So known Mike again for a long time, veteran communications professional. My gosh, how do you start here? He's enjoyed a career as a broadcast journalist. He was press secretary to a, a state governor. Obviously, many of us know Mike as uh, founder and leader of a successful public relations firm, Barclay PR. And then, of course, later, Crossroads, the, the terrific PR, PR agency uh, from Barclay, and really has produced lots of groundbreaking work. Excited to talk to him because his, his ne- he's recently retired from the from the agency business. His next act includes some voice and some camera acting work. Can't can't wait to hear about that. But maybe I'll just kick it off by my, Mike. How how's life away from the agency business? How's that how's that been going? Well, it's it's going great, and thank you to both you guys for having me on your program. Uh, it's been great. I mean, obviously, pandemic threw a little uh, curveball into, but at least I was already used to working from home. So that was not a big, big, yeah, I stepped down, stepped away from uh, Crossroads last year, July 1 last year. It's been almost a year now. But at the same time, I was able to start my own consulting business. So I didn't really retire. I just kind of repackaged what I'm doing. So I've had several clients I've been working with. It's been fun doing the work again. I only have to manage myself, which is enough at this point in, in my career. So it's been fun doing the work again, doing some strategy, doing some writing, and even dabbling in successfully, I, I'm glad to say, doing some media relations and some influencer relations again. So it's it's been a lot of fun and, and the work's been very interesting. So the voice work hasn't really taken off yet, unfortunately. That's, the pandemic did throw a little bit of a curveball into that. I didn't get my home studio built, but I've got plenty of time. So that's still on the horizon. That was a long-term, long-term gig anyway. Yeah, we're hearing a little of that today. Your entree into this very, very nice radio voice that people are picking up on today. Well, thank you. Maybe, maybe there'll be some pros, Maybe there'll be some people out there who need a new voice. They want to 
Yeah. yeah, we're having several marketers that'll listen to the show and maybe pick up on your voice talents there. Awesome. Happy to help however we can. And I, I do want to talk a little bit more with you about next chapter, but I really want to, you know, I always enjoy talking with you about just this business, right? Marketing communications, because you spent so many years in it and, and did such terrific work. And the question actually, I'd like, it's timely because at this time, you know, we're living in this area where brands are taking stands, right? And And you spent so much of your career working with brands to help them take stands, particularly in the area of cause marketing. I know you've come and talked to my class several times about the the cause marketing genre. And and maybe I'll just start there because some people may not. I'll, I'll just throw out one that, that I know that you've talked to my class about several times and I think is such a great example, for, particularly for young marketers, when we talk about cause marketing being authentic and having longevity and really touching all of those bases. Talk a little bit about the Lee National Denim Day that you were so involved with that you know, not only in Kansas City, but obviously that's that became a, a really, a truly a, a global phenomenon. How did that start? And and for you, why was it meaningful as a cause marketing program? Well, and, and just as a little bit of a context for Lead National Denim Day, because that was the first big program we did. We just, you know, we, we threw a couple of combination of factors. One was we were, we were always been involved in an organization called IPREX, which is a group of a global group of, of independent PR firms. And within that group at that time was Carol Cohn, who's considered the grandmother of the mother of cause marketing. So I got to know Carol through IPREX. She was still independent before she sold her firm. And at the same time, we also were doing some work for a couple of local clients that, that we didn't call it cause marketing at the time, but we were doing programs in Kansas City that were definitely about community service and, and connecting our corporate clients to do good. And then in talking to Carol, it just kind of all came together and I came back from a meeting once from from IPREX meeting and we went off and did a retreat to the PR firm and basically put a stake in the ground that said, you know, what better public relations is there than to have our corporate clients partner with a nonprofit and give back? Is there any better PR for a client? And, and it's always good back to one of my oldest philosophies, which is reminding clients that you're always investing in a savings account because you're going to need that savings account when things go bad. And so by investing in the community and doing things good, we're hopefully are building up a savings account. So when things do go wrong, which they do from time to time, we've got a little bit of reservoir there to build on. So that kind of was the basis for it. But we put our stake in the ground because there was not there were not a lot of agencies doing it then. Carol was a leader. There were a couple others. And so here we, we were able to establish ourselves in Kansas City as eventually as a national player in in cause and that's really what put us on the national map without that we would have been a great you know regional pr firm but that gave us the wherewithal to to, you know become a national player and then with lee jeans they we've been talking to them knocking on their door for a couple years nothing was happening they weren't hiring us and they suddenly gave us an opportunity we did a little a local project for them and then they came back to and said look we have a problem we'd like you to solve. We're not going to spend advertising dollars on it, but here's the problem. The problem is this. This is the mid-90s. Let's, let's, we got to set that context for people because it's important. The mid-90s, and here's a company that sells jeans. And there's a, one phenomenon that's just starting to take hold called Casual Fridays, where some companies are beginning to allow their, their employees to wear jeans or dress casually on Friday. Well, it's a lot easier for a man to dress casually on Friday because they can bring more khakis and a golf shirt and whatever, and we're done. Women, jeans are a big, important part of their, their wardrobe. And Lee sells, sold more jeans to women than any other jeans brand. A lot of people didn't realize that. And, and Lee, by the way, is based in Kansas City at the time. Obviously, they just left, but they've been a Kansas City-based company forever. They said, so we got, we got to fi- 
figure out how to convince companies that it's okay to wear jeans in the workplace. At the same time, they told us that they were going to, they made a decision to get involved in supporting the cause of breast cancer. So that was not related to their ask. Their ask was all about a business project, a business problem. How do we convince companies it's okay to wear jeans in the workplace? We collaborated at the office and we put the, but we ended up putting those two ideas together. And again, mid nineties, breast cancer is not what it is today. The breast cancer cause. It was a cause that was not discussed much. It was a cause that was just emerging because it was basically considered a women's cancer. They wouldn't even use the word breast sometimes in the media. They would call it women's cancer. And so we put the two ideas together. Voila, came up with this concept of, hey, what if we, we went back to Lee and said, here's the deal. The first Friday of every October, which is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we're going to do a program that says, go out to companies and say, look, let your employees wear their jeans on this first Friday of October in exchange for they give a $5 donation to fight breast cancer or support breast cancer. And you can match that or you don't have to match that, but you turn it into a day and you have celebrations in your office and, and you turn it into something. And that's our idea. And we'll call it Lee National Denim Day. They love the idea. We went out and found them a partner. Interestingly enough, American Cancer Society turned us down because they didn't think this idea would work. And so we went to this very little known nonprofit at the time called the Susan G. Komen Foundation. Again, mid-90s, they were just starting. They had the, their race for the cure, but they had never done any cause marketing. And so we approached them. They loved the idea. So Lee National Denim Day became Susan G. Komen's first cause marketing program where they were not just a sponsor. Lee wasn't a sponsor. They were partnering to do a program. And voila, it started. Lee and Komen said, well, how much money do you think we can raise? And we kind of put our fingers in there and said, oh, let's raise a million dollars. And we were scared to death and because we had no earthly idea. There's no, we don't have email then. We don't have websites. This was a old fashioned marketing program where we sent, put a packet together, sent it out to HR directors at thousands of companies across the country, laying out this whole idea of Lee National Denim Day. Here's how you do it. Here's some ideas of what you can do for the day. Lunch, bring lunch in for your employees, blah, blah, blah. And then we had a fulfillment. We had a higher fulfillment center. And we did all that. We ended up in the first year with 4,000 companies and we raised $1.4 million. So, you know, million dollars, piece of cake. You know, of course it was. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, now the question is, will Lee, does Lee think it was a success? And will they do year two? So, of course, we did the whole vetting of the program. We did a whole presentation back. Here's what happened. Here's how, you know, they bought year two and we ended up doing it for 20 years. The program just, just ended a couple of years ago. But one of the interesting story, many interesting stories, uh, uh, well, and there, there's an important aspect to it. One of the aspects was that we said, let's have a celebrity spokesperson. And that celebrity spokesperson, so it was a very important component. And, and I left that out. And the celebrity spokesperson has to have a connection, a direct connection to breast cancer. And first celebrity spokesperson, a brand new program, we didn't have a lot of cachet yet, but it happened to be Rebecca Lobo, who played basketball for the University of Connecticut when they were first during their run. She, her mother was a breast cancer survivor. She and her mom were writing a book that year, that same year we launched Denim Day. So she became our first spokesperson and, and she's very effective. And the other thing we looked for from a strategic marketing point of view was let's have a spokesperson direct connection, but let's also hope they have something. Let's make sure they have something else going on. Well, they had a book. They're already out on a book tour. 
So all we had to do was kind of be the skier behind the wave. They were already had had their agent out there booking them on, and they were on every morning show. And so all of a sudden we got mentioned, Den Day got mentioned as part of their, so we always had that going. Another great example of tying into somebody who was doing something at the same time was our first male spokesperson. And that was Rob Lowe in the second year of West Wing. His grandmother was a breast cancer survivor. And we, we, you know, we had all female celebrities. And so we wanted to, you know, you got to switch things up. So we wanted to switch the storyline up. So we had, we decided, Hey, let's go. Let's have a, let's have the male point of view about breast, about a significantly woman's issue. Although men do get breast cancer as well, but it was the male point of view he gave. We pitched an entire show to Larry King, who was big deal then in the early two thousands. And what we did there was the idea of there was we pitched an entire show, a one hour show of which we pitched Rob Lowe as being one segment. Larry King's producers bought into it. They loved it. They did an entire show. They kept Rob Lowe on for the entire show. So he was there the whole hour. Uh, uh, but his story was great. His, his, he, cause he told, he talked about how he watched his grandfather be the caretaker for his grandmother through all this. So it was, it was the point of view of the caretaker, which, so we did that all the way through. We would always try to find different, you know, obviously change your story up, always try to do it. We ended up raising in 20 years, well over a hundred million dollars. We had three partners. We started out with Cohen. We switched in the middle to the Entertainment Industry Foundation, which gave us full access to celebrities, obviously. And, and the switch there was from general breast cancer awareness to supporting specific research that EIF was supporting. And then we made a third switch with the, after EIF to the American Cancer Society, who suddenly called us and said, this program's great. We ought to be doing this. And of course, we, we didn't have the heart to tell them that, well, you turned us down. But you know what? That's fine. We'll take it. And so with, with American Cancer Society, we began to support very specific programs, Hope Lodges, you know, where the families stay for with cancer uh, patients, supporting transportation programs for women who can't afford to get to their appointments. So the program over the years was fabulous because it migrated along with the cause from general awareness to research to on the ground in the field programming. And so it's something obviously we're very proud of. Uh, American Cancer Society still owns it. We basically, Lee decided to stop the program, but ACS owned it and they have it. And and I'm not sure what they are doing with it. Although every year in October, I still have the Google alerts for Lee National Day. I get a few. So... Yeah. Got a little alerts. Well, Thanks, well, Mike. Story there, guys. I apologize. Oh, no, no. What, what what a great case study. And I think you know. Again, that's why I have you come talk to my classes because we talk about authenticity, right, and longevity, and the need to have depth of these programs. So many brand programs are are, are shallow, and and to really extend with the, the way that you did Lee, Lee National Denim Day, just a fantastic fantastic example. So thanks for sharing that. That's for sure. Sure. It was an important part of our business. I mean, as I said in the beginning, it, it built our business. It made our business. And today, Barclay and Crossroads together are are now into the whole purpose. So we migrated all the way into purpose now. There's a book about it. So it's it's continued to build not just the PR firm's business, but now it's a big part of, of Barclay. It's a big part as, as Matt started the conversation and the question with, too. It's become that case study in particular and a, a few others like it. It become the foundation and model for a lot of other brands to tap into their value systems and make sure that they're not ignoring their values. They're actually incorporating and, and integrating their values into those campaigns. Well, to your point, Brent, when we, when we started 25 years ago, we had to convince companies that, that your customers 
I really do want to hear that you're doing good. Mm-hmm. Nobody believed it. Everybody took the, you know, the old fashioned philanthropic, well, we want to do it quietly. We want to do it, you know, and it, so that was a sales job. And I use the word sales specifically because it really was to convince leadership at companies to say, no, they want to hear about it. And today now, to your point, Brent, now it's just part of the fabric. Yep. Yeah. Great story. We had such a great time talking with Mike that we've decided to split this episode into two parts. It's really my fault as we went along. I kept coming up with new questions and it's really to your benefit. Anyway, make sure you come back and join us for episode two with Mike Swenson. Take care, everybody. If you found value in today's episode, check us out on our website, cultivatedmarketer.com. You'll also be able to subscribe to us, rate us, and leave us a comment on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Remember, a garden of opportunity grows with Cultivated Marketer. <laughs>